So we have entered into a uh, new season in the church here. We've moved from ordinary time into the Lenten season. Uh, Lent is the season of 40 days, not counting Sundays, which began this past Wednesday on Ash Wednesday, and ends on Holy Saturday, which is the day before Easter. Uh, Lent actually comes from the Anglo-Saxon word Lenten, which means spring. And these 40 days, they represent uh, a number of things, one of which is the time Jesus spent in the wilderness, enduring the temptations and preparing to begin his ministry. Now, Sundays in Lent are not counted because each Sunday represents a little Easter. And the reverent spirit of Lent is tempered with the joyful anticipation of the resurrection. So we get to, if you're having a Lenten fast, now depending on who you talk to, Sundays a day you can uh, uh, abstain from your fast, if you can abstain from a fast, that makes sense. but the, part of the real purpose of the season is to create a season of, or a time of repentance, of fasting, and of, pre- of preparation for the coming of Easter. It's a time in the Christian year where we do intentional self-examination and reflection. Uh, in the early church, Lent was a time to prepare new converts for baptism, which would happen uh, during the Easter vigil, which you would have running up until midnight and at midnight on Easter morning, so at the very first hour of Easter, you would begin with baptisms of the new converts. And today, uh, Christians, uh, as Christians, we focus on our relationship with God, often choosing to give up something or uh, to volunteer and give something of ourselves, or take on a new practice, or find some way in which we connect to God in a way maybe we haven't been doing. Now, for this year's Lenten season, I'm going to be preaching on the theme of covenant. And covenant isn't a word that we don't really use a whole lot in our modern society outside of really church. At least, I don't really find it's one that I encounter a lot outside of the church world. Uh, but it's, it's actually one of the major themes throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture, we see covenants we make with one another, covenants that God makes with humanity, and covenants that we make with God. And to start this, I want to do a little contrasting. So one thing we are pretty familiar with is the idea of a contract. Most of us have encountered at least some kind of contract. I imagine you have to sign some paperwork on your way into AU. Um, even if that's just the very first time you're signing something, uh, a legal document, or maybe you had to sign a rental agreement. Um, maybe some of you have had to have been able to buy a car. I know my first car I didn't buy by myself, but I co-signed with my parents so that I could buy my first car. Uh, these are all contracts. Contracts are things that are legally binding and adjudicated by the law. Uh, binding because courts and judges enforce them. So, part of the idea of a contract is that it's built on distrust. I need a contract with you because, so, Sashika, you're giving me my example. Sashika is my landlord. I'm paying you rent. I'm saying I'm going to pay you rent every month, and if something breaks in my house, you're going to pay to fix it. That's a legally binding agreement that we would have. And if for some reason I stop paying rent or Tashika decides not to fix my heat, 
uh, we could take the other to court to force the other to do that. So it's very much built on this idea of distrust. I have a backup plan in case you go back on your word. Contracts are kind of on this end of the spectrum. Sometimes we can think of covenants in the same category as contracts, except covenants are kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum. Because where contracts are built on distrust and the need to uh, have an outside force adjudicate, covenants are built on relationship. Trust only becomes possible and covenant only becomes possible when we willfully and yet lovingly yield all authority and power and make ourselves vulnerable. This theme of covenant that runs throughout the biblical text is something that reminds us that we are building relationship with one another and with God. When we make covenants, we're not distrusting but we're actually building on the trust that we hope that we have for one another. It's not a business arrangement. It's actually something sacred. So a covenant is something that binds together two parties, committing each to a set of responsibilities and obligations built on mutual respect and trust. And tonight, our text is the example of the very first covenant we see in Scripture. It is the covenant that God makes with not just Noah, but with all of humanity. Now, I imagine most of us know this story, so it's the flood story. Even if you're not um, of the Christian persuasion, you know, all of us have probably heard that story at some point or another. They had a big movie a few years ago about it at uh, Russell Crowe. Uh, basically, the idea is that God looked down on, human, on the world and said the world has gotten corrupted and evil, and therefore, I'm going to wipe off everything on earth. But before God has a chance to do that, God sees Noah and decides, well, I'm going to wipe everything off the face of the earth except Noah and Noah's family and the animals that Noah's going to bring on the ark. And so that happens, the flood waters come, uh, and after, uh, uh, what is it? forgetting the number off the top of my head of days that they were uh, out to sea, that uh, finally the rains had stopped and the waters receded, and Noah sees dry ground, and he goes out and builds an altar, and there at that place is where we have this conversation that God has with Noah, and says, I am going to make a covenant to never again destroy all of humanity. In fact, he's really not talking, God's really not talking to just Noah, but to all of us, to every single one of us, because the text says that all flesh, for all time, is included in this covenant. This covenant is God saying, for the rest of time, I will not destroy humanity. Now, the interesting part about this covenant is there's only really one side to it. God makes covenant with humanity and says, never again will I destroy you. 
Never again will I bring forth the waters to wipe off all of life on earth. I promise to never again do this. There's no if or unless. There is just a promise. Interesting thing about covenant is sometimes a covenant can be made without having it be reciprocal. Because in this covenant, God asks nothing of us. God is stepping out from after the stormy waters and the uh, lightning flashes in the sky and saying to us, never again. No matter what happens, never again. God, who is all-powerful, can do anything. God, who could wipe us out in a moment, gives up some of that, setting aside God's power and justice, limiting God's self, and leaning on patience and love, asking nothing of us, only wanting to be in relationship with us. This covenant is all about God establishing a relationship with the humanity that God has created. This covenant is about God saying to the people, I am all-powerful, I am all-knowing, I am everywhere. I could, but I care, and I love you enough. I will never do this again. Something really incredible about someone so powerful, setting that aside, asking nothing of us, promising to never again. No conditions. Now what does that mean for all of us? Why bring that up tonight as we begin this Lenten season? Well, it's because as we begin this season of Lent, we have to ask, what if there is no strings attached to this covenant, what is God wanting from us? What is it that God desires from us? If God isn't asking anything of us, what is God hoping will be the outcome of us? And that is relationship with us. God is hoping that we will respond to God's love. That we will turn to this promise and say, thank you, God. I want to be in relationship with you. So how do we begin to carry that out? That's the question I wanted to ask. St. Benedict uh, wrote a guidebook for monastic living and said that a monk's life ought to be a continuous life. Uh, he also recognized that many people have the strength of discipline to live, that, that not many people, that's an important word there, not many people have the strength of discipline to live Lent all year long. Can you imagine taking on something like, uh, something extreme like uh, fasting throughout the season of Lent and then uh, having to carry that out all year long? Think of the most extreme Lenten practice you've ever heard of. And think about taking that on all year long. I mean, the monastic life was to simplify your life and live a life, depending on where you were, sometimes just of prayer. 
St. Benedict who wrote this book suggested then that if we cannot live this all year long Lent, let us use this season to wash away the negligence of others. To examine our life and ask ourselves, where are there barriers to that relationship? God has invited us into this relationship with this covenant. And now we are invited to walk into this Lenten season and ask how we can build on that relationship. Because, and I've heard some conversations around this uh, this past week about what exactly giving up to, giving up something for Lent means for you. And what really um, makes me so happy is to hear folks saying, I don't want to just give up this because that really doesn't do anything for my relationship with God. Ultimately, we're, we should be spending these 40 days and nights wrestling with something. Now, whether that's something we give up, which is really challenging, or a practice we take on, or a commitment we make, it should be something that's not easy for us. And it should be in our wrestling bringing us closer to God. It should be something that is helping us connect deeper with God. So that at the end of this maybe turbulent 40 days, as we wrestle with this, whatever it might be, at the end of this 40 days, we might come out on the other side from the storm. To be like Noah, when he opened the uh, roof of the ark and looked out and the rains had stopped. And to see the light on the other side. And to remember at the end of this 40 days, we walk into Easter resurrection. I want to help us get there, and I want to offer you three questions that uh, Reverend Dreamer McAllister Wilson offered us on Wednesday night at our Ash Wednesday service. Uh, as we seek to build on God's promise, let us start by looking at ourselves. What is it that is separating you from your true self? Are there parts of you that have gone unexamined? Is there sin that you have been ignoring in yourself? Two, what is separating you from one another? Are there relationships that you've allowed to drift? Are there divisions you've allowed to become walls separating you from one another? Are there grudges that you are holding? Are there those you are struggling to forgive? And three, what is separating you from God? Are you taking time in your daily life to seek relationship with God? Are you finding time for scripture, for prayer, for pausing and for listening? Are you receiving God's forgiveness and welcoming God's loving grace? My hope is that these questions stir something in you. My hope is that as we walk through this Lenten journey, you will continually be called back to that stirring. That this will be nudging you to continue to walk this path. That you will continue to seek after the relationship that God has built with us from this first covenant. To remember that though God could destroy us in a moment, God's love and mercy are greater. And may it remind you that though the journey is long, longer than just this one Lenten season, and one that takes us not only to death at the cross, but brings us out the other side in new life of resurrection. 
May you remember that though the journey may become stormy at times, God has promised never to destroy us. And that makes this journey very much worth taking. Amen.